everybody, welcome to another episode of Adam Marcy Unplugged. Our show today is sponsored by Sharfen.com and also by uh, PurelyHosting.com forward slash Adil. Now, that's out of the way because here's the, here's the crazy thing. I got this person on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and everything kind of went to the to the shitter, really. Um, you didn't hear any of the conversation I had. You just had Alex talking to himself for essentially a half hour, which made him seem like a crazy person. Don't get me wrong. I like, I like making Alex look like a crazy person as often as I can. But in this instance, I was like, God damn it, I made some good points. I, I thought so, and thankfully so did Alex, because he reached out to me and was like, um, yeah, you're not on this podcast at all. It's just you talking at the start and at the end. Where's you in the middle? And I'm like, uh, yeah, apparently my computer thought I ran away, because it was like, yeah, he's, he's just too good. Just let him do his thing and walk away. So we got back on the phone today, and without, I'm not even going to reintroduce him, because he's just so awesome. Alex, hello, welcome back to the show. Glad to have you here. Thank you, it's good to be back. <laughs> right, so the last time we spoke, you went through like some of the most interesting points, especially to do with like, psychology in the sense of bipolar depression, um, and what it really is, as well as ADD, and all these other labels that were basically given, when in reality, they're the basis of real entrepreneurs. It's what we are. Sure, yeah. You know, when, when we spoke last time, when you, when you look at the entrepreneurial personality type, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're a different type of person. And when you, when you look at what makes us up, what creates our success, it's not strengths or weaknesses. I think that that's how the world likes to look at things. The rest of the world likes to be binary. We're either on or off. You're good or bad. You passed the SAT or you didn't. You're a good student or a bad student, which is all really kind of silly. Because the fact is, when you look at what makes us successful as, as entrepreneurs, they're attributes. They're not good or bad. They're right down the middle. You look at something like high sensitivity. High sensitivity and awareness makes me successful. Uh, you know, it allows me to be an editor. I was just in the studio with a friend of mine, and, and you know, we, I know we got good video because I can remember the entire 90 minutes of video, and I know where we'll edit it together. That's high sensitivity. That's an attribute. I, I present it as a strength, but when pressure and noise goes up in my life, when, when, there's, when there's too much, when I overwhelm myself and I can't see forward, high sensitivity means everything's overwhelming. Yeah. Colors are too bright. Sounds are too loud. Uh, you know, high sens everything gives, makes me reactive because I have such high sensitivity. So for entrepreneurs... Our personality is that of yin-yang. We are two sides of the same coin. And what makes us brilliant also can challenge us under high pressure and noise. Yeah, definitely. So essentially what you're saying is um, don't hurt our feelings when we're kind of going through a stressful moment. Because if you say something like, you guys are stupid, um, I'll end up crying like a child for like two hours and then be like, I hate you because I'm so sensitive. I'm kidding. That's really well, bad. <laughs> well, and you know what? The fact is, is this, you know, it's, it's when I say high sensitivity, I don't mean emotionally sensitive because Adil, you know, um, I have a theory that, you know, people like us, we don't really live in the world of normal emotions. Oh, we really don't. We have like a ridiculous, like imagine a 30 centimeter ruler at home. Yeah, that's normal entrepreneurs we're about like twice that with our own little rules in the background like hello we're kind of crazy and weird and also yeah entrepreneurs we t we tend to have thicker skin we can take we can take things though um you know hurtful comments well, do hurt sometimes well here's here's how i see it adele you know last time we talked if, if you think about 
people like us, you know, we got into a lot of different topics. We got into to bipolar, to OCD, to ADD, ADHD, um, all of these new labels that are given to groupings of system, symptoms that drug companies create so that they can treat them and create addicts, right? But when we examine any of those, what we see is that the fact is people like you and I, when we are in constraint, when we are held still, when we're not moving forward, we present that way. And the fact is, <clears throat> I don't think that we feel emotions and feelings the way that rest of society does. I mean, I, I actually think we are, we are totally unique in that respect. I don't think you and I understand what happy and sad really mean. Yeah, sounds about right. But you're well, going to have to well, elaborate. Here's, here's why. Here's why. I'll, I'll elaborate. And I know I kind of sound like a crazy person sometimes. Most of the time, but, but that's why we get on. <laughs> but you tell me, right? So happy, sad. There's some contrast there. It's like on off, right? We can kind of fake happy is good, sad is bad. But we really don't understand those emotions. And, and when you take it one step further and you say, okay, happy, sad, there's some contrast. What about sad, frustrated, pissed off, ticked off, confused, irritated, and just plain not going to talk to you? What's the difference? Yeah, I, I don't know the difference. I, all I know is one of them means run away very, very quickly. The rest are just right. like, what are you doing? Well, and, and the fact is, there is no difference. Because Adele, Adele have, haven't you always been told that you feel in some way other than the right way? And, and it sounded stuff like this, like, hey, you're too intense. You're not intense enough. Hey, why aren't you applying yourself? Why don't you share your feelings? Why don't you tell us what's going on? You know, all of those things indicate that people like you and I don't feel right. Am I right? Yeah. Um, you actually reminded me of one of my school teachers who literally said those exact words to me in like three weeks. Like one week, you're too intense. The other week, why don't you just apply yourself? The other week, right. is something wrong? Right, right. And the fact is that, that people look at us reactively. And they translate what we're doing and they tell us we don't feel right. But the fact is, we don't know what that means. We've all been parked in front of the poster that says, how are you feeling today? And has the 26 faces that stare back at you with all of the labels. And it's like a riddle, not a statement of fact, because we don't understand. None of those things mean anything to us. I guarantee you your confusion has been mistaken for anger. Your frustration has been treated as if you were aggressive with someone. The fact is feelings don't work for people like us. We don't live in that world. Entrepreneurial personality types, you, me, we are physiologically sensitive, chemically sensitive, cognitively affected momentum-based beings. And we exist in three states. So, so first, the first state's momentum. We exist in that state where we're moving forward, where we're in flow, where we're in the zone. Things are going our way. Adele, you know that feeling. What does it feel like? It's amazing. It's essentially kind of like, uh, probably the best way to put it is the thrill that you get when you dive out of the plane. Just that excitement of just washing around. It's amazing. It's that feeling of being fully alive. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and momentum, you tell me, man, do you get a physical boost when you're in momentum? Can you go longer? Do you have more stamina? Is your body boosted? 
Yeah, massively. Like it okay, just, so 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 we get a physical boost, right? So 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 that's the first thing we get from momentum. The second thing, you get a cognitive boost. Are you better at making decisions? Can you see the future, the brighter decision, more clearly? Yeah. Um. The last time we had the conversation, I think I told you I got tested as well for it. Remember? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And then then the third step, the big one, is the chemical effect. Yeah. You know, when we're in momentum, you tell me, are you chemically boosted? Yeah. And here's what's interesting, right? So there's a physical, cognitive, and chemical effect to seeking momentum. You tell me, Adele, when you experience a reaction, do you feel it in your body first or your head first? I think it's my body. I feel it more or less in my body first, but it's like a mix between the two. So, but, but let's slow it down. So you feel a reaction. It hits the body, right? There's an experience in the body. And isn't it interpreted in your head? Yeah. It's like is the body gets the message and the head kind of makes sense of it. And the head tells you what it is. Yeah. So the body is the instrument through which we interpret the world. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Massively. It's true. Okay. So for entrepreneurial personality types, the body is the instrument through which we interpret the world. Yet if you get, if you're unfortunate enough, to be an entrepreneurial personality type who's not in momentum, we take pills that treat the head. So we're treating a reaction, not the source of the interpretation of the reaction. And so, so when we look at the fact that we treat the head, but we feel it in the body, we are physiologically sensitive momentum-based beings. And when we get into that place where we're not moving forward, it changes things. So the second state is when we're in constraint. And here's what's so crazy about us. We're, sorry, not in constraint, but facing resistance. Here's what's so crazy about people like us when we're facing resistance, state two, right? One is in momentum, it's being alive. Two is facing resistance. The cards are on the table. People are telling you, you can't. You've been told to stop. You don't go forward. But isn't that the very condition that creates sometimes the greatest levels of momentums in our lives? Yeah. Adele, would you agree? Massively. Wouldn't even deny it. It's like the craziest, so, the most amazing thing ever. So we create momentum when we're in momentum, and we create momentum when we're repelled backwards. Now, here's the third state, and here's where things get interesting. Because how can you have these magical people that, that can create success and outcomes in the world and change things? Yet they fall apart. They have issues. They have challenges, right? How is it that Elon Musk may be the smartest person alive, one of the smartest people ever alive, but suffered a nervous breakdown? Completely yeah. checked out. Never thought it would happen to him. And why is it throughout history, those who are also most successful are those who are most challenged? Because the entrepreneurial personality type is so sensitive to constraint. That's the third state. When we're held in place, when we can't move, when the system... When our impression, our perception, what we put on top of ourselves, the environment we're in holds us in place, that's the one place we can't move forward. We can't continue. We can't create momentum. And Adele, you tell me what that feels like when you're in full constraint. Hell. It's literally hell. That's the best example of it. Um, like speaking right now, just very generally, because I like to, it's always in the moment for me. Um, I'll give you an example. Right now, I'm going through moments where I'm feeling constrained. And today, and usually by the way, when you're in momentum and just something that for everyone else is out there, you end up sleeping a lot less than most people. Like I sleep four to five hours a night and I'm 
locked and loaded, ready to run like a hundred miles from that point. Today, I slept like nine hours throughout the day. It's the weirdest feeling of the day. Because when you're in constraint, when you're feeling like you can't find momentum, here's what happens, right? You're, you're physically not boosted, but challenged. Is that fair? Mm -hmm. You're cognitively not aware but actually reduced your intelligence level goes down and people hate it when I say that intelligence level is constant. Oh yeah. You show me someone who's under massive constraint and I'll show you an idiot. Yeah. hundred percent of the time, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so, so cognitively you're challenged. Is that fair? Yeah. And here's the big one. Chemically. So chemically challenged that someone who needs four or five hours of sleep, goes into a nine hour sleep because you, your body is pushing you there. And so that same chemical challenge is what people are seeing when they use labels like bipolar or ADD or depressed or manic or schizophrenic or any of those things. The reality is, is that full constraint for the entrepreneurial personality type, for someone who's as sensitive as we are, for someone who's physiologically cognitively and chemically sensitive to constraint, we get held in place and it can create symptoms up to and including suicidal thought and ideation. Those are the worst. Yeah. Those are the worst, but, but hallucination of sure. Uh, disconnection, seeing things, hearing things, extreme frustration, extreme skepticism, seeing the entire world as being against you, seeing things that aren't there. We all know that if we're really honest with ourselves, we've been there. Yeah, we, we essentially kind of concoct fantasies of how everyone is slighting us in, the sli in every moment. Well, the way I look at it, Dill, is pressure and noise goes up. And we can't see what's going on around us because we are, we are physiologically, chemically, and cognitively sensitive to constraint. So, so it makes us move into challenging behavioral patterns. The same thing that normally would have moved us forward like crazy. Yeah. That's really interesting though, because like, again, it's a chemistry based thing and you're really like one of the few people out there. I think you're the only one in the entrepreneurial spaces at least doing this and you're creating like a huge revolution of it. It's kind of bringing to the forefront of exactly what this, um, what this is like the what goes through our minds because it is so frustrating to explain it to people that don't get it because again the labels come up and again i, I apologize on behalf of all copywriters it's our fault that the label dyslexia and adds out there we you know we were told to sell drugs at the time um <laughs> but what i'm gonna say something i'm gonna just jump into real quickly because you did mention this um is not I, I can't remember the person's name, but you said someone actually reached out to you and said something about um how their relationship was affected because they were dating someone that was bipolar and they couldn't understand them, and they like completely shunned it as a thing. Now, like, how did that conversation go? Because by the time I reached it, it was deleted. I couldn't. Even yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it's interesting. So, so here's what happens with these labels. Like here, here's here. Let's, let's look at what happens when, when somebody's labeled with something like dyslexia, you know, cause I'm dyslexic and, and, and it was hard for me to admit that for shit until I was 40 or, or 38 or something. How old are you anyway? 42. 
Holy shit, you do not look 42. Okay, Katie, you are very lucky. Okay, what are you feeling this man? I want to know. I want to know right now. Um, uh, yeah, it's lowering pressure and noise. And so, so you know, it, oh, man, I lost my train of thought because she gave me compliments and that always throws me off. Sorry, you were saying that basically it was really hard for you to admit that you had uh, dyslexia, dyslexia until yeah. you were 38 years old that you can admit it. Yeah, so I have I have like some dyslexia, especially under high pressure and noise with numbers, um, with dates and times, like dates, dates and time combinations. I can't, I don't get them. I can't keep them together. Um, even with low pressure and noise, like when I try and calendar and stuff, things are really hard for me. And so dyslexia is isolating because when you're in school, you don't want to show any type of weakness, especially the kids around you. I got beat up all the time. And, and, and having that was was really isolating. It was like, oh, I don't want to tell anybody about it. I don't want to say anything to anybody. Well, Jesus, that's just dyslexia. You get a label like bipolar. And here, here's what so many people hear when they hear bipolar. They hear dangerous person who's going to hurt me. Mm-hmm. And, and let's be real clear. Like that's been perpetuated in the media. That's been perpetuated by the drug companies because when, when you know, bi- bipolar, there's, there's people who are bipolar that you would never know. They torture themselves. They, they don't let the public see. They're not hurting anyone. Not everybody with bipolar is dangerous. Like this is, this is and, and by the way, I don't even know that it exists because the fact is it's a grouping of symptoms that when I stand in front of entrepreneurs and I read the, the exact symptoms of bipolar, both sides, to groups of hundreds of entrepreneurs and I say, you stand up when five of these apply to you or more, which is the clinical diagnosis for that bipolar, 90% of every room fits the diagnosis. And the other 10% come in close to three, but they just and don't the, understand. And the other 10% just were embarrassed to stand up. That's actually really interesting because like, it's true for like the longest time. I remember um, a while ago, I told a girl that was really interested. In, she was like really amazing, just in every way that I could, um, that I could imagine for me because she was smart, she was funny, she was a girl that was in the uh, navy she was she was like in incredibly good shape the whole nine yards you know spoke a few different languages which is a huge thing for me because i speak so i you know i'm a polyglot i speak six languages fluently as a base so um it was a huge thing and then i said to her that oh yeah uh, she was like oh yeah my sister's bipolar i was like oh, okay no way uh, no worries so am i she goes you weren't kidding about that were you i was like why would i kid about something like that and by the way this is before i met you so Obviously, I knew it was a label, but it didn't rule me. She instantly stopped talking to me. Like, yeah. instantly. It was like, whoa, yeah. death sentence much? Yeah, That's what this yeah. Is. Well, so- and here's, here's, the, here's the interesting thing. I think for so many entrepreneurs, the difference between having the label and bipolar and not is that the right person was in the wrong place at the right time to give you the label. Yeah. Because the fact is, you know, I've... I've Adele, you know, you know my background, but I don't know that we've, we've mentioned anything. You know, I've, I've worked with some of the most successful people in the world. I don't name clients, and, and you know, I, I, people ask all the time. The reason is most of the people I've ever worked with are still a work in progress, and I tell a lot of personal stories. They're okay with it as long as I'm, I'm not identifying them. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is when you get to the top of any profession, and, and I've worked with people in, in business, in media, in, in acting, in, in, you know, in Hollywood, in sports, it, it, there's, there's very few places where I haven't had access to the people who are doing things. And the fact is, is that at the top, everyone fits the description of bipolar when there's high pressure and noise. 
when things get overwhelming, they're some of the most emotional people in the world. And we see this play out in the media. Yep. We see their reactivity in the media. And the fact is, it's an entrepreneur who's experiencing constraint. It's an entrepreneur who feels held in place. It's an entrepreneur who, who situationally, environmentally, is being given a label that they will carry for the rest of their lives. And the challenge is that, like you found out, having the label bipolar in and of itself can create the symptoms. Yeah. It's almost like you're given the sentence, so you begin to believe it. Well, and, and the fact is, is even if you don't believe it, and then you realize that people no longer want to talk to you, you look it up online and it says that it's a permanent sense you'll be on drugs for the rest of your life. And, and then you read anything about how traumatic and tragic your life will be, that in and of itself, go read the symptoms to bipolar, it's a panic state. You could feel like that just from having someone say that to you. So the fact is to me, when, when we look at, you know, here's, here's one of the big challenges with all of these labels. The fact is, is that someone who's bipolar is not always bipolar. And in science, any experiment that results in a conclusion should be able to be repeated. And today you can put someone in front of 10 different practitioners and not only will you get 10 different diagnoses, you'll also get 10 different courses of treatments. There's a show on Cinemax called The Nick. We are not that far from that level of experimentation in psychiatry and psychology. Because we have an entire profession where it's observational science based on zero feedback from the population as to efficacy. Mm -hmm. We prescribe and pray. Yeah. It's literally basically throwing up a Hail Mary and going, let's see what happens. <laughs> No doubt. That is essentially what the school of medicine is right now. It's just like, let's do Hail Marys just all day long. See what happens. This thing, go. Um, I don't know if you've actually, you know the nootropic movement where everyone's like, nootropics are amazing. Woo! I don't know if you know about them or nootropics are. Sure, sure. I mean, there's, there's always a new breed of chemical or isolate or something that people think is going to give them some type of an advantage. And there's many that do. Um, I'm on the conservative side of that. I, I, you know, I've been a biohacker for years and years, but uh, I'm careful with what I take in and I'm careful with isolates, but, uh, but yeah, no, I'm familiar with nootropics. Awesome. That's good because that's something else I found with most people that think like us. We tend to go, right, how do we either A, get an edge or B, how do we stop like letting ourselves get out of focus? Um, I tried the alpha brain stuff from Onnit, which is great. Sure. Some people love that stuff. Sure. Yeah. Um, I've done, I've tried a few different things, but I'll tell you what, it was the weirdest one was about, um, Three, four years ago, my cousin, uh, at she was at university. I used to go into a chem lab, and her teacher was cool with this because like, we weren't doing anything illegal. I used to just sit there and like isolate different things and go, okay, what's my brain chemistry like, and what do I want to take to see what boosts different aspects? So I just like play with my own style. So I created my own nootropic for a while, and it worked. It was amazing. <laughs> and then, you know, she, she left university and couldn't get access to a lab anymore. So I'm like, crap, I can't make this stuff anymore, but... It's interesting, the reason I bring it up is because it's interesting how like as entrepreneurs, as high level thinkers, even by entrepreneur, it doesn't mean that you have to own your own business, by the way. You can have these sort of quote unquote um, character traits or symptoms of whatever you want to call it. I'd say character traits really attributes um, and still have like a regular high level, 
how you level job you can, where you actually feel completely supported loved um and not constrained that that's possible that's completely possible for you you can go ahead and do that but from but you'll find that you have tendencies to always try to control the demon that's inside your head and you won't do something some some people do stuff that's illegal you know go that's them um, but most people look for a ways, like, if you hear something like a nootropic where, oh god, I can take this thing, it'll help me focus, they'll go ahead and do it, which is you why... You know what's interesting, Adil, is, is what we're talking about, right, the, the nootropics, um, all of, you know, what, what Dave Asprey does, what, uh, what Aubrey does over at Onnit, um, all of these companies, what, what they're doing is they're helping lower pressure and noise, yeah. right, because from the very beginning of this call, what, what, I, what we've talked about is how entrepreneurs in constraint under high pressure and noise um we have you know we we just we, we we can have some really challenging effects here's what's fantastic like the fact that your body is the tool through which you interpret the world mm -hmm. and and now by getting in shape by lowering pressure and noise by hydrate you know people say what's the first thing i should do breathe it's mm -hmm. free it's free. There's no risk. Learn how to breathe. Learn how to do diaphragmatic breathing where you actually move your stomach, where the diaphragm expands. Then learn how to hydrate. Keep water on board so that you're not dehydrated. You're not increasing pressure and noise, lowering your awareness. Then understand nutrition. Get your blood sugar and your hormone levels straight. Then like go try and optimize with nootropics or anything like that. Because at, at, at the point where if you've been through those three breathing – hydration and nutrition now you have the foundation where you can go do anything but the fact is lowering pressure and noise makes everything easy for us yep massively and speaking of diaphragmatic breathing um one of my favorite guys again it's from brazilian jiu-jitsu it's hicks and gracie who actually talks about it a lot and if you guys don't want to do brazilian jiu-jitsu check out um gymnastica natural on youtube which is i can't remember his name but he developed this style of like movement that Hickson uses for when he trains on his own to like uh, focus his breathing as well. Um, this guy developed it for Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. He's, he's a, he was a surfer slash yoga guy who got into Brazilian Jiu Jitsu at the start of the get go. And it's a ser series of movements that relaxes the entire body and muscles to actually breathe diaphragmatically. It's an amazing thing. So um, that's going to be a resource I'll add underneath this as well. Um, Speaking of which, because uh, I have to mention this, you guys have no doubt heard my cat in the background, my usual co-pilot <laughs> co of this podcast, because he just meows all the time. Um, I, I, I think I'm fluent in cats right now. Um, what he usually is trying to say is, yes, you're right, please listen to him, and don't be stupid. So anywhere else that you hear him meow, and he's just trying to like meow over a point that Alec is making, he's agreeing with him. That's essentially <laughs> all it is. He's like, yes! Power to that guy, who I can't see. <laughs> He's just such a weirdo. Right, so speaking of, because like my brain really wants to kind of like jump into this huge uh, portion of something that you really do really well, Alex, is Encompass. Um, you do something called a cadence system with businesses. Sure. Realistically, like expand on that a little bit, because I actually don't know what it is all that much. Sure, totally. Um you know, I'm, I'm becoming really well known for the entrepreneurial personality type, but what, what we've always done and what I've always done is help businesses grow. And uh, when I was early in my career, I worked primarily with Fortune 500, Global 100 companies. Mm -hmm. I was a long-term consultant with them. And 
what we did was we created a structure in which we eliminated failure-based planning and companies could grow. Here's the challenge with businesses. I'll give you some statistics. In the United States today, there's 29 million businesses. 26 million are sole proprietorships, no employees. You know, that, that's like a solopreneur, a boutique business, you know, in, independent, whatever it is. It's also the highest risk an entrepreneur can have. Because whether you make $10 an hour, $10,000 an hour, $1 million an hour, you are at the same risk of losing 100% of your income. And so the challenge is most people, when they start running a business, there's two things that make a business grow. There's the unique deliverable of the business. There's the way you mow the lawn or the way you deliver the food or the way you, you know, train the client or whatever it is you do. And then there's the structure of the business, the foundational concepts that grow the business day to day, the measurement systems that create a level playing field and the communication systems that your team interacts through and, and has a, a way to move things forward. And the challenge is the reason why the vast majority of businesses stay very small and 99.7% will never exceed 10 million. That's crazy. 99.7 will never exceed 10 million is because when it comes to the unique deliverable and the foundational structure of the company, when the unique deliverable takes off, the foundational structure falls apart. And even the most successful businesses struggle with metrics and measurements and, and a stable foundational planning and, and uh, strategic planning system. And so what we do is we have a cadence and it, and it, it functions the way entrepreneurs think. Here's what's so important. We don't like systems. We don't like structure. We don't like, because you know what it feels like? School. Oh or it feels like, it feels like bureaucracy. It feels like constraint. But what we've done is we've created a minimum effective dose annual planning system that creates momentum in the business for everyone and allows the entrepreneur to run the company without feeling like they're underneath it. Yeah. And also, when you literally said that, my brain went to, <laughs> yay, someone finally that's actually explained what this crazy thing is. Because last time we spoke, we really didn't go into this. Yeah, and so, and so here's what we do functionally, Adele. We, we've created a sequence. So, so each person in the company has education. So there's a library and we do inline education. So as you go through the year, you're getting emails with videos and with content. And we're showing things like, Hey, here's the difference between what a 90-day planning session normally looks like. Here's what it should look like. Here's what an annual planning session outcome should actually be. The 30 days before we go into an annual planning session with one of our clients, their entire team's been getting communication each day, about five to 10 minutes, telling them, here's what you're doing. Here's where we're going. We're telegraphing the situation. They're so prepared that by the time they walk in, to do a four-hour annual planning session, we achieve more in those four hours than most teams could in a six-day offsite. And it's efficient, it's effective, it creates momentum. And we send the entire team a text message on the way in that says, congratulations, go build your year. You've done more work walking into this meeting than most teams will on the way out. But we do it in minimum effective dose. As you work through your day, it's not take the needle off the record and go build everything. And we've implemented it with hundreds of companies. Yeah. That's incredible. 
Yeah, it's, it, it allows us an opportunity to kind of have a lab, you know. So we have hundreds of companies with consultants here who are directly involved with all of their planning and with our larger clients. You know, we have clients that, that pay for our, our full cadence where, where, a, where a consultant's involved, where we're involved with the meetings, we're helping apply it. Those are, those are $50,000 clients and up. Uh, but when you, when you when you have a team of consultants that's calling into clients, we're seeing the meetings. We know how to optimize them. On a, you know we're 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 constantly improving our systems. We come in and with a minimal amount of effort, we can give a company a foundation that a ten year old company would have, and it changes everything. That's, again, I'm gonna sound like a fanboy right now, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allowed to sound like a fanboy, damn it. It's, it happens from time to time, and I'll tell you why after this phone call, but um, something incredible did happen with someone that was that interviewed you recently as well. He, he told me about it, so it was kind of cool. Now, speaking of this, because uh, last time you were here, you gave like three really powerful ways of actually people being able to improve uh, what they're already doing and move forward. I'm not going to get you to do that this time because they can go back and listen to that podcast where mm -hmm. you kind of did it because, let's be honest, I don't want this to be the exact same of what it was last time. But we do have a little bit of time left. Uh, main reason is because we started a little bit later, but you know, hey, I hope it'll be what it is. I really kind of want to jump into something that isn't so business-minded right now, but it's relative to who we are as entrepreneurs and our personality type, and that is essentially relationships. We touched upon it very, very briefly, but you and Katie literally have one of the greatest relationships mm -hmm. I've seen. I mean, the only person I can think of, or well, the only people I can think of that are like this are, um, that I know personally, uh, Ken Foodie and his wife Sarah, uh, Murray and Marisa, like Murray Gray, Marisa got Megatroid, and um, Seth Ellsworth and his wife. I mean, those are like. <laughs> the, the, I know oh, Ken and I know Seth. Yeah, and also um, Ryan Levesque and Tylene. That like those are the only relationships I know of that are married. Have like from there from the get go they were married, then they did the entrepreneurial thing, and now they're kind of like still together and happy and everything else in between, and not at each other's throats like some other people I know. What advice would you give to someone that has an EPT personality type, isn't constrained right now, and how can they work around the relationships? I'll, I'll explain why, by the way, before we do this. So for someone who's in a relationship? Someone that's in a relationship or married. I'll explain why. Okay. And it isn't okay, to do with yeah, me. Yeah, totally. Just totally. saying. Not to do with me. <laughs> so if you're married and you're an entrepreneur, um, the, there's two simple rules to success in life and business. The marriage is most important, and transparency in your marriage is how you can be successful. And that's it. Okay. And that's really it. And here's, here's my justification for that. Um, whenever in my entire career, whenever I've sat down, and, and there's been a few times where people are like so far past it, they need to get divorced, or they've, they've like done something silly, like married someone they knew for a week or something like that. Like that's different, right? And even if they married somebody they knew for a week and it's five years later, but when I sit down with somebody who's been married for a period of time, they've been with someone, and um, the, the fact is, is that that relationship is the most important thing in your life. And for people like us, relationships are so hard to begin with. Finding someone is so difficult, even, even as a concept, to believe that it would happen, then it happens. And then we start doing things like, oh, my business might be more important. And the fact is this, like I, I, know, I know a lot of very successful people who don't put their relationship first, but they're not happy. You would see them as successful with metrics. But I learned a lesson a long time ago. I started being around people who were wildly successful. 
and wildly successful people who have a passion for life, who are excited about who they are and who are congruent are also passionately and happily married. And I started thinking there's got to be a pattern there. And I think the only pattern that there is to successful marriage is that people work on them and they commit to them. And so when, when, when we coach people who are married and Katie and I are launching a podcast called Making Love and Business Work, and, um, and it's about this content because when, when I talk to any entrepreneur and we have a conversation and, and I realize that, hey, wait, you're not putting your marriage first and you're not being transparent with your spouse. Here's what I find, Adil. We married that person on purpose. We brought that person into our lives because we needed that counterbalance. And when we're isolating, we're not sharing with our spouse, we're not transparent, we're not putting the marriage first, it's usually because there's some type of a destructive pattern we don't want to admit. Mm -hmm. And so by putting the marriage first, here's what I can, and that doesn't mean like, oh, I'm not going to go to work, I'm just going to stay home and look at my wife. What it means is you, you gain consensus in your marriage. You let your wife know what's going on or you let your husband know what's going on. You let them know what's happening at the office. You don't isolate. You don't surprise them because they are your secret weapon. You chose them and they chose you. They must be intelligent. So give them credit for who they are and let them participate. And when we do that in a marriage, when we push for consensus, when we say, hey, I'm going to hang in there until this conversation actually ends. I'm not running out the front door. I'm not going to yell and scream, which is hard. We create a marriage where there's no out and, and you, you continue because here's, here's the deal. If you create a marriage where neither one of you is bailing out, you must improve it. Hmm. That's so true. And, 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 and for me, for me, um, you know, here, here I'll, I'll be very blunt about relationships. I've had one good one. I'm still in it. I was a disaster before my wife and you know, I, I went through the world and I, I dated the wrong women. I dated for the wrong reasons. I, um, I didn't understand what I wanted. I had very low awareness when it came to the opposite sex. I didn't, I didn't understand why I really was doing it, but I knew I wanted it. And I didn't, I didn't have clarity on anything. And it was only after multiple failed relationships and, and feeling like, I would not be able to be in a relationship that I started doing what I think everyone must do in order to earn the relationship they want. I became the person that I wanted to attract by going out and working on myself. And I started seeing a therapist. Uh, I did EMDR to get over some childhood trauma and some stuff that happened when I was a kid and not family stuff or anything, but we moved. I was, I didn't, I was confused. I think I, 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 you know, I was told I was learning disabled. I went from special ed to, to gifted and talented back to special ed. So I started seeing someone. After a while, I started talking to him about wanting a relationship. He made me go, not made me, he, he, he took me through this phenomenal exercise that changed my life. And I've used it with probably two or 300 people to help them find their spouse. Over the course of about three weeks, he made me write the 10 things that I was looking for in a spouse. And he wouldn't let me put stuff like she has to be pretty. He kept saying things like, that's obvious. What are the things that you wouldn't see? So I wrote things like, she has to be able to live a kind of an alternative lifestyle. Like I'm not a nine to five guy. She needs to be okay with things being different, be spontaneous, um, but also be uh, okay with just staying home and regrouping. And um, someone who, who, you know, is caring 
and supportive, not when I ask, but just as is naturally caring and supportive. And so I started writing all of those things down and I didn't get to 10. I only got to nine. And I remember sharing it with my friends and, and taking it out of my wallet. I carried it around for probably a year and read it all the time. And here's what's so weird about that. During that period of time, I barely dated. I did a little bit, but I had this sheet and I had an incredibly productive business time because when I put together the 10 things, I started to see this picture of what could happen. It lowered pressure and noise. Business went crazy. I got in incredible shape. So the night that I ran into Katie, I was ready. We talked for three hours the first night. I knew exactly what I was looking for. I called my mom and told her, hey, I'm going to marry this girl. Aw, you big softy. I did. No, but I really did. I knew, Adil, I knew. And, and Katie didn't call me back. Like, we exchanged numbers. She had my number. She didn't call me back for like two weeks. She finally did. She ended up coming out to Florida. We met on, both of us were traveling. We, she ended up coming out to Florida, spent a weekend with me, and then... Three weeks later, moved to Florida, and a year and a half later, we were married, and that's almost 13 years ago. And, and, but the fact is, when she showed up, I knew what I was looking for, and here's what, why it was so different. It was the first time I was willing to do anything it took to make it work. Huh. That's incredible. But it worked. Hmm. See, that's really powerful because, like, there's there's a message in there for people that really don't get it. And by the by, just a quick side note, just to let you know what I do. I wrote down a list of positive and negatives of what I wanted in a woman. Because I need to know exactly what I was looking for on the other side, what I was willing to, quote-unquote, tolerate and accept. Like, for yeah. instance, like, I don't drink, so could I date someone that did? Yes. Probably, probably, you could, right? I could, but they would end yeah. up, like, over time, they do stop drinking around me. It's like the weirdest thing. Every person I've ever dated, but yeah, I'm a party girl, woo! Three months into dating, they don't even go out anymore. And I'm like, you you can go out with your friends. Your world doesn't have to revolve around me. It's okay. They're like, yeah, but I want to. I'm like, all right, cool. I don't think anything of it. Just go on and live my life. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's interesting, you know? Here's something I would suggest for everyone, and, and, and this is just a different way to do it. And, and Adele, maybe you go through the exercise too. I will do. Sit down, and instead of having negatives, just, just do this. Envision, like here's, here's how I did this with Katie, and it was so hard to come up with that list of nine things because I had dated, like I didn't have a good dating experience. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you and I probably have some stuff in common, right? <laughs> so, yeah, pretty much. Okay. And so, but here's what I, so like when he said, he was like, well, think of the, the best woman you've dated. And I had, I had one example of someone who was like a really good human being that I had dated, who I really liked, but it didn't work out. And, and I was like, well, this person, but she wasn't like, there was nothing else there. And so he, he kind of had me cobble together a composite of like, what were the things that were important to me? And it was interesting. Like something that's important to me is if you, if you say you're going to do something, you do it. Consistency. Mm -hmm right? Reliability, consistency. I wrote that down because I had dated a lot of women who had qualities I thought I wanted to be around, but weren't consistent or reliable and drove me crazy. Yeah. So, so when you just write down what you want, it's nuts. You start to attract it. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Be powerful. I'm totally doing that tonight. Well, I say tonight after I finish my work, I'll do that. <laughs> you should interview my wife. She's she's a much better interview than I am, and she is way more wise. 
Okay, get it, arrange that, please, <laughs> Alex. Because I don't have Katie as a friend a friend on Facebook yet, so I got to add her. But I don't know if she's a friend. Gotta add her. Yeah, add her. She'll she'll add you, and she's it's spelled C A D E Y. Yeah, I I remember. I think I reached out to her like once or twice when you had your whole post about telling her we should do a podcast. I'm like, yes, you should. And yeah, because she she was having doubts about it at one point, if I remember correctly. Yeah, no, it's coming together. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. So, guys, go ahead and check out uh, shardfan.com. Check it out. Seriously, you've already seen the stuff. Um, there are going to be points underneath this. We're going to put a few more links up. And the thing I mentioned earlier, which now I cannot remember, um, I'm sure I'll put a link to that underneath this as well. Because <laughs> There's fun. also, if, if we can add a link to our Facebook group, Adil, that would be awesome. We have a, It's just growing every day. Yeah, it's APT. Uh, yeah, we are EPT, and then you can go to Entrepreneurial Personality Type on Facebook, and it pulls right up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, we it was getting a tremendous amount of attention. Oh, massively! It's incredible. And oh, by the by, I just want to go ahead and say thank you on air as well for sharing my article. I mean, that was huge. By the way, my pleasure. Uh, I'm really glad I actually uh, that you did. As soon as you did that, my like you and Ken both did it, and I was like little part of me just felt so happy right now <laughs> <laughs> well you deserve the recognition brother thank you very much uh alex again we'd love to have you on in about three to six months and more importantly i want to get katie on straight on the new year that'd be great to have her on because well she's your wife she can tell me the stuff that you won't which is always gonna be fun it's like so i can get doubt on you essentially this is what i'm doing <laughs> well, and you know, she's she is such a, a huge factor in, in the success we've experienced today and, and what we're doing moving forward. You know, there's no way I could do any of it without her. And and when we were at the hardest times in our careers, she's always the driving force that pulls us through cognitively, chemically. I might be the physiological one, but she's the one who she's got tremendous insight. She'll help you a ton. That'll be awesome having her on the show. Uh Thanks again for being here, guys. You know, again, reach out to Alex. He's a great guy. I mean, I've put him in touch with a bunch of people and added people to the group as well. Um, I'm going to keep driving numbers up with that. It's going to be amazing. Alex, again. I appreciate it, Thank you so much. Take care. My pleasure.